All right. What's up, y'all? <laughs> now <laughs> we're going. <laughs> Welcome to the Sandcast with Triborn and Travis Mawarder, brought to you by Volleyball Mag. And also our friends at Chomps, who have provided these lovely pod snacks for us today. We've been waiting for a year to get a pod snack sponsor, and now we're good. We officially have we're a pod, on board. pod snack sponsor in Chomps with our beef sticks. And Great name, sticks. too. Nice and simple. Yeah, the tagline is also, we are the champions. <laughs> I'm into it. I love that. <clears throat> I'm into it. It's going to come in handy <laughs> on the road. Anyway... I had to start this podcast off with a little bit of y'all, since you're a country boy and you are the topic of today's podcast. Finally, yeah, I, I get to be on my own show. Yeah, you <laughs> finally made it. <laughs> and I figured, you know, you've been talking for over a year now to all these people, to our listeners, and half of them probably don't even know who the hell you are. <laughs> you should probably tell them. So uh, yeah, today our topic is Travis Money Mawerder. Well, hopefully, hopefully our listeners can uh, help me make a, a couple dollars with the new book that came out today. Exactly. That I've been working on for... That was actually how we met. It's kind of funny, too, like, because the very first interview I did for the book was with you. Oh, that was for the book. Yeah. And and then we uh, ended up doing the color, the, the live stream for Manhattan, mm-hmm. and then we got breakfast at the Ocean Diner, and then we got the Sandcast, so it's it's all due to the book, yeah, which, that's true. which wow. comes out today, and now I'm talking about the book on the podcast that was a result of the book. Whoa. This is kind Full of meta. Circle. <laughs> yeah. Full circle. That is kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, tell, tell us about this book. I mean, I, I got a little sneak peek on it, and I think it's really cool. You get to, basically, you're giving the beach volleyball fans or, you know, fans of the sport, a good perspective on what it's like to be a player and come up through the ranks of this sport, right? Yeah. And it's funny because you also have been coming up as a player through this same story that you had written about, but, like, at the same time that you were writing the story. Yeah, it's a a lot of it, like, it's made me feel better about myself because everyone goes through this. Like, even Phil, like, so the book is basically, it's, it's a walkthrough of what a lot of people do like how they make it through qualifiers to where they are now. Like Phil Dahlhauser lost in like four or five qualifiers and got knocked out. So like hearing stuff like that from their mouths, like made me feel a lot better about myself when I lost my first qualifier 21 to 9, 21 16 <laughs> <laughs> to Rafi. And now look at you now. You got an yeah. automatic main draw bid to a legit professional event. Yeah. Right? That's, that's how we got Travis. Travis wasn't going to allow himself to come on the show. Until we got that got was my rule. Auto. I got, until until I got to play in a main draw without qualifying, I couldn't actually talk about myself on the podcast. That was the rule. Um, That's fair. But yeah, so the book is called "We Were Kings," uh, which is kind of a nod to that the old school guys who used to make like oodles of money. They were called kings of the beach, and then now you look at sort of the financial state that beach volleyball has been in for a, quite a while. It's like there's no really kings of the beach <laughs> anymore. Um, but it's, it's taken on like a ton of different phases. Like when I first started playing, whenever I start something new, the first thing I do, just cause I'm a huge nerd is just, I go try to find the literature on the sport. And with beach volleyball, there was pretty much nothing like Sinjin right. wrote a book a really long time ago. And then Billy Strickland really? wrote a book. Uh, I think it was his maybe 2008 season. Um, that's called inside the player's tent. And that was entertaining. Huh. I enjoyed that. 
and everything else is just like uh, like drill books. Like right. you know, here's what you can do for, and it's almost all indoor volleyball. Ryan Doherty kind of he wrote. Yeah, something. he did Avatar's Guide to Beach Volleyball. Right. Um, but when I first started playing, Ryan had not yet written that, um, so there was nothing on it, and so I was like, well, why don't I could do that? Right. Like I have the perfect skill set for it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a writer. I'm starting to play beach volleyball, and I'm really curious. So I just started asking a ton of questions. Um, and then just over the course of these past three years since I moved to California, I've just been basically one by one just collecting players' stories. And basically what it boiled down to, the book's taken on, I, I went through 15 different drafts of the manuscript, and each manuscript was way different. Like the first one that I sent you was 120,000 words because it was the entire history from like Gene Selznick <laughs> and the boys like putting together a tournament in 54. Dude, I I had... Completely, man. I knew nothing about the history of the sport I play. Yeah, it was fascinating to go back through. Like, dude, I went through the LA Times archives. Um, I went to the Newport Beach Library and read, like, and then whatever was online that came up with the keywords, like beach volleyball, or then I would go into specific players. Like, I read, like, thousands of LA Times. This is why we're lucky to have Travis (laughs) in the beach volleyball world. Nobody else is going to do this kind of stuff. And, like, I loved it. Yeah. And and I'm not going to do it. That's for sure. (laughs) I think that's why originally when you had, I think you interviewed me and then I probably saw an article or a write-up you did about it and about other players. And I was like, dude, finally, someone like that knows how to write, but can like put it out there in a real way, the way it actually is, you know, not like sugarcoating it. Um, And yeah, I think Gabby and I both read something and we're like, dude, this guy needs to like do more (laughs) so i hit i think i hit you up or something after something like that after the interview and i was like yeah dude keep uh keep doing what you're doing because we we need more of that yeah it's it's been fun to get that kind of response and one of the best parts about working on the book is that like like currently everything in beach volleyball that i have like outside of playing i got oh to writing this book so all the research and stuff that i've done has allowed me to like come on this podcast as like kind of an expert on the sport just mm-hmm. because I've gone back and researched like so much stuff. And I remember like Randy Stoklos almost like fell over when we had lunch in San Jose and we were just talking about how like this isn't the first time that like non-compete contracts have been kind of a controversy. Right. It's like, yeah, well, you and Sinjin skipped Seal Beach mm-hmm. in the 90s and got fined $75,000. And Randy was like, why do you know this? Yeah. He was probably so excited. <laughs> yeah, like I was two years old when that happened. So right. Like there's no reason for me to know that. But then so and and so like me and Randy just had this really deep conversation about like the history of beach volleyball. And he was finally glad to talk to someone like of our generation who mm-hmm. knew something like deeper about it. Right. So like when I write stories, it just it comes to me a lot easier because I know like I've read like all the old school stories and I know all the names and like what happened in the Manhattan Beach Open in like 1967 mm-hmm. um, and like all this random information. And I'm now just like a random stat collection machine from BBB. That's perfect though. <laughs> I just feel like uh, so many people in our sport like go down the same pipeline and path. And I mean, what are the chances that everyone, everyone's specific, you know, unique way of life is like the same, you know, but people tend to like follow each other anyway. Whereas, like, so you came in and you're like, well, I'm not going to try to be the top pro right off the bat. Yeah. I'm going to play and see where that goes, but I'm going to do what I do really well and bring that to the sport. And like that, yeah. climb the ranks. And it's... You had no... You you competed in a 
in a blue ocean rather than a red ocean. There's like a there's a book on that, right? Yeah, yeah. It created uh, your own ocean. Yeah, basically that's what. And I listened to a lot of Tim Ferriss podcasts, and he had Scott Adams, who's the creator of the Dilbert cartoons that are huge. Mm -hmm. And he said one thing that's always resonated with me is like, I'm not the best artist, and I'm not the funniest guy. He goes, but I am a funny artist, which is a rare combination. And he goes, I'm also a good businessman because I'm in the top 25% of business, top 25% of art, and top 25% of comedy. But I'm in, I'm the only one in my category because no one else is in it. And exactly. I was like, all right, well, I'm definitely not the best player. And I'm by far not the best writer on the planet, but I'm one of the very few beach volleyball playing writers. Right. Exactly. And now I'm the only beach volleyball playing writer who also podcast right so exactly. i've just created a category of one basically and so i always get a kick out of it when people and like madison mckibben when he introduces me to people at events he say this is the best beach volleyball writer and i'm like i'm also <laughs> the worst because i'm the only one <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah but isn't that great yeah nobody it's, it's is going to awesome. introduce you as the worst beach volleyball yeah writer. <laughs> it's and it's a ton of fun too because you know like people are super appreciative of it and for most of like sports writing, you take it for granted because everyone does it. Like you can Google LeBron James and get a thousand hits on the game that he played last night against the Jazz. Right. But for most beach volleyball players, the only news you're going to get is volleyball mag. Mm -hmm. um, so it's fun to just like finally bring like a literary light to it. Yeah. And it's been cool too because like I'm, I don't really have anyone to answer to, so like I don't have to write stories that I don't want. Like they're like I've been asked by like a bunch of people like why don't you write like almost like hit pieces on this organization for like financial responsibility I'm like well that's not like I started writing about beach volleyball to to build it up right and to like show how awesome this totally. sport is and so I'm, like, I'm just not gonna write it right. but <laughs> no one else is going but you to you do actually catch <laughs> you have caught some heat over yeah over the years a little yeah. bit which I mean most you know players and everyone have your back but yeah but there has been times when it you have to just kind of honestly put it out there and i yeah. think that's what's cool too that you're willing to like actually say what you're feeling not yeah. like sugarcoat because and at the end of the day too i think what i've come to find is that like my now i'm like mission as a writer for the sport and as a podcaster is to help build up the players because i think if you build up the players you're by extension you're building up the game and yeah so by not i've been like accused of being biased to writing towards one organization right and then you know the opposite that gave me heat for that. But then the, <laughs> right. the, that yeah. opposite organization looked at the same exact story and we're like, oh, you're being biased towards this organization. I was like, we realized that they just said the same thing. So, so that I means like, I'm I feel doing like it means I'm being pretty objective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I'm not too concerned about it. Like, I, I think maybe five times in the course of the past three years of writing on the sport, people have been like, oh, well, that's like not a fair story or something. Right. And none of it came from the players. Which is the only opinions that I care about. Right. I mean, if so, you have the players, then yeah, it's all that matters to me. Because like, and it's been funny too. Because as I've kind of risen up as a player and gotten to know you guys on a deeper level, rather than just writer, player, and now I can look at like you and say like we've played in the main draw of the same tournament before. Right. Like, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I've had to tiptoe the line a little bit more carefully, but what I write because like now like I know these people and like I'm friends with them and like. Like me and Trevor, like we're hanging out here all the time. Mm -hmm. So now, right. you know, and like Trevor's not sensitive at all. So like he wouldn't really wouldn't care <laughs> if I said something and made fun of him. Mm -hmm. but like now, like I have a pretty sarcastic sense of humor. So like if someone takes that the wrong way, now I'm like, oh crap, like maybe I shouldn't have written that. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you get to blast people uh, <laughs> yeah. writing and then you go play against them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and it is funny because like, on the beach too, like you always hear who's playing with who and all the partner changes and 
And I think I've done a pretty good job of not writing partner changes before people were ready to announce them. Like, there's already, like, a handful where, like, I was talking to Zahn, and he let me know, like, not too long ago about, like, a guy he's playing with in an upcoming tournament. And he looked at me, he's like, that's not going to be a headline in Volleyball Mag. Is that? I said, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you're good. <laughs> and it's funny, just like, and like Chase Freshman a few times, and he was just like, you're not going to write that, are you? And I, so I think I've, I've kind of danced that line pretty well, that like, I, I don't break news like, unless players are ready to like right. break it or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I think uh, it's cool also that, I mean, you basically, we basically created our own media platform right or we did um and i see like the players only or yeah players only on nba and there's like a lot of things in the sports world that's going towards player-based media also uh the players tribune who uh, i think derek jeter started it yeah uninterrupted which is um lebron james's one and you know and then there's us pretty much in the sports world it's yeah it's Players' Tribune, un, uninterrupted, and then the Sandcast. Definitely, <laughs> we're right up there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's fun because like you look at the the media because it's so fast paced and it's twenty four seven. Like I've seen it as a writer where like my editor will ask me to write a piece like on a tweet that someone sent out. Like oh, like write a piece on this rumor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, no one's gonna check with that guy. Like if that's actually true, he's like, no, no, no. We're just saying like according to this source, it's just all it's all aggregation, and that's how you get like like this fake news like epidemic that's happening is because it's so fast paced. And like if CBS writes one thing and they're getting a lot of hits, well then ESPN's going to pick that up and get a lot of hits. And it turns out like it was just a like a sarcastic tweet. Yeah, it's like a long game. It's like a huge game of telephone. Yeah, and so what players are doing with what you see with the Players Tribune is they're controlling their own narrative. Mm -hmm. They're saying, well, why would I have to like go to an interview? And give up the control of the narrative. Like you could take that and completely twist it, which we see all the time. Right. Instead, we could just write it ourselves. Yeah. And that's what like that's what I like about this the sandcast too is that players just come on and like they get to control the narrative of like what they put out and who they are. And just because it's it's a podcast, like you hear the words like as it comes out. Nothing gets taken out of context and twisted. Right. Which I think not, is really valuable. We're to not them. really asking hard questions either. We're kind of letting them. Yeah. Like put we out cater to the players. Want. Like we right. want to just build the players up. Because they they haven't really had a platform in a while, mm-hmm. if ever. I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm ever sure happened. there's been. I mean, everyone has their own social media, so they have yeah. their own platforms. But yeah, I don't think. Uh, I don't think they've had like people like us actually interviewing them. We're like, we're actually players. You're actually a writer. You you make the, the dialogue work, or else <laughs> if it was just me, it'd just be a, a total shit show. <laughs> But um, plus you do the write-ups and all the things that make us actually legit. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, and and a lot of times people say, you know, like you do a really good job of, you know, steering the interview. And, and I was like, yeah, but, you know, if this is like a road trip, you know, basically just like the GPS. Like, I'm mm-hmm. getting us to where we need to go. But tries in the passenger seat. You're DJing. You're handing out snacks. Like, yeah, you're the ex- reason that we're in the <laughs> car in the first place. We all got our roles. Yeah, like, we wouldn't have... This wouldn't be a podcast if you weren't here. Like, Taylor Crabb wouldn't be, like, an awesome interview if you weren't here. Like, he wouldn't... Taylor Crabb wouldn't just talk to me and open up, like, the <laughs> way he did. Like, because you're here, like, you set... Like, you have this kind of barrier between, like journalist although i think that's somewhat wearing off with me is like having like i'm a member of the media right because like just being a player now um but like you make it really casual and conversational which is really valuable because in interviews like 
that doesn't happen very often. Like you look at press conferences and they're the most boring things in the world because yeah. the players don't say anything. Yeah, exactly. Because it's all like question and answer and interview, but you help make it really conversational, which I don't think people totally understand how valuable that is to just a running dialogue. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the reason I got into this kind of stuff was I started doing interviews. I don't remember exactly what happened, but, you know, getting better at the sport, and now I'm doing interviews all of a sudden. And when I played overseas indoors, I was doing interviews, and, I mean, the other guys, the guys interviewing me spoke different languages. So yeah. t- I, didn't, I don't even know if they understand what I'm saying, whatever. You get kind of nervous, and... And then I'd listen back to my interviews and just like, that just sounds so <laughs> dumb. Like, yeah, just said really, the same thing everyone stiff. else says. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's boring. Yeah. So then I saw like, I think I saw a few athletes that would just like make interviews really fun. And I, and I was, I thought that was really cool. I remember seeing that Blake Griffin did like stand up comedy and imp- improv and all that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Uh, and I had looked into it a little and, and realized that, that that would be like the best thing possible to to make you more comfortable on the mic. So I went and did that and just kind of it kind of snowballed into like me wanting to be a part of the media and then I got lucky and got an autoimmune disease. <laughs> struck gold and I was able to be a part of the actual media and then we started this and <clears throat> but yeah, it's all based on for both of us is is bringing out those real stories. Like for me it was I, I'm on the road with all these people all the time, I know who they are and how good their stories are and, and how entertaining their personalities are. And I know that everything that's put out there does not show that at all. Like nobody gets to see who they are. Yeah. Um, or, or get to know these people. So that was my goal is to come on here and, and try to just have those same conversations that I have on the road with them. Yeah. And give them a place to let people know, get to know them and then have you to make it all <laughs> actually work. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I love about the book too. So like in its initial form, it was a walk through like the history of beach volleyball, like from like one of the biggest tournaments to start in 54. Um, like the first beach tournament with a, like a prize was in 1948. Uh, and it was a, for a pack of Pepsi. We're going to pause real quick for a word from our sponsors who keep the show moving. We are incredibly grateful for all of our sponsors and all of you, the listeners, who keep the show moving and keep moving us forward. We couldn't do it without you. Um, and now it's it's nuts that how fast the AVP season went by. But since it is over now, it is probably time that you re-upped on your volleyballs. I know that mine have turned to a kind of brownish-yellow color, so I know it's time for me to re-up on my volleyballs. I'm sure it is time for you to as well. So go to wilsonvolleyball.com, use the discount code WILSONSAND to get 20% off of all purchases at wilsonvolleyball.com. This show is also brought to you, as always, by our guys at VolleyballMag.com. They are your daily digital news source for all things volleyball. They got indoor covered. They got beach covered, whether it's from Stad to Hermosa Beach. Ed Chan has the best pictures in the game. Lee Feinswag has the most insightful interviews. Every now and then, I contribute something that might be worthless, might be worthwhile reading. I'm not sure, but if you're looking for volleyball news, make sure to go to VolleyballMag.com, your daily digital news source for all things volleyball. 
We would also like to welcome Volley Camp Hermosa as a new sponsor of the show. If you're listening, you've probably heard of Volley Camp Hermosa. It is the place to go to get better at beach volleyball. Whether you are planning a trip to Hermosa Beach, California, the mecca of beach volleyball, or live locally, they have professional coaches to take your game to the next level. For those making the beach volleyball pilgrimage, they offer week-long adult training camps that are the complete beach volleyball experience. If you live locally or you can't join a camp, you can take their weekly classes and or private training. All levels are welcome, from A to AAA to open. Sign up online at www.volleycamphermosa.com. I'll say that one more time, www.volleycamphermosa.com. Or for more information, you can just give them a call. It is 234-PLAY-VCH. Or you can email them. Info at volleycamphermosa.com. We will see you guys on the sand. And, of course, we always love our sponsors at PacificCoastWealthManagement.com because if your financial plan goes beyond making it into the main draw of an AVP volleyball tournament, check out our online planning tool at PacificCoastWealthManagement.com. We all know that you beach volleyball players need to put that oodles of prize money somewhere. You might as well start it with Pacific Coast Wealth Management. So when you get to the site, click on their link, build your financial plan here, and work with a licensed fiduciary advisor who can discuss everything from 401ks, IRAs, life insurance, estate plans, tax strategy, social security, investments, or good old stock tips, also known as a lot of stuff that beach volleyball players genuinely don't know a whole lot about, which is why we need the help with our guys at Pacific Coast Wealth Management. Business owners who need to offer benefits, retirement, or pension plans for their their employees, partners or themselves, you can give them a call too. Or 529 College Savings or Roth IRA for your kids. Did you know that you can give 15000 a year to your kid? I know when I was a kid, I wouldn't have minded that. Start with your favorite volleyball player by connecting with us at Pacific Coast Wealth Management on Instagram or www.pacificcoastwealthmanagement.com or you can give them a call, 949-637-7052. Again, that is 949-637-7052. A lot of the listeners of the show are professional athletes, and as we all know, you cannot have enough recovery, which is why the show is also brought to you by our good friends at FireflyRecovery.com. So what Firefly Recovery is, it is a wearable device that simulates blood flow throughout the damaged or sore or afflicted area, say a knee. And what you do, you just strap it on and it helps you recover much faster. So when you are on that 12-hour flight to Stad or a 36-hour trip to South Africa, you can put this on and you're not going to get that super sore, kind of swollen feeling that you get after you fly on planes. Actually, you can make your plane you can make your trip productive by putting on Firefly Recovery, helping heal up that area, getting off and you're going to be playing the best volleyball of your life. So give them a visit at fireflyrecovery.com. Let us know what you think and use the discount code sandcast in all caps for a 10% off all right that is sandcast all caps for 10% off at fireflyrecovery.com and now back to the show yeah see this is why it was it's important to read the book to like understand i mean it's not that historical so, right right but, so i took touch mo- on the historical stuff like i saved most of it for and i'm going to have like a second book come out I'm not putting a date on it because I need a break <laughs> from writing books for a minute. Um, so I saved most of that, but it's it's mostly just a look at the players now and like how they fell into it. So it's almost all guys' stories because I was fascinated by well, how do guys get into beach volleyball? Because in, in Maryland we don't. It's not 
indoor volleyball is not even a thing. Like, how do you get into beach? Like we played at like jungle ball, like graduation you parties. Were, you were a basketball player yeah. and a golfer, right? So I was, yeah, Growing I played up? basketball and golf in high school. And then I ended up going to University of Maryland, majoring in journalism and I played on our club basketball team, club swim. Um, and literally never touched a volleyball until I moved to Florida. Well, and you, I hated the snow. And you wrote uh, two books, one on basketball and one on golf, yeah. right? Yeah, and they're, yeah. they're both fiction. So this book is my first swing at nonfiction, uh, which fiction, like in retrospect, is really easy because when the structure doesn't line up, you can just make stuff up because mm-hmm. it's fiction. But with nonfiction, <laughs> you can't just like, make <laughs> things up. <laughs> That's a good point. But And like I only stumbled into beach volleyball when I, I think I was 24 when I moved to Florida and just like, and you were in local, Florida writing. The, yeah, I was writing for the Northwest Florida Daily News. I was doing college football um, and high school sports features. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just stumbled into it when I was 24 just because, like, I hated the snow and the local bar had beach volleyball. And that's it. So, like, right then I was like, well, how, do, like, how did Phil Dahlhauser get into it? And Phil is one of the biggest uh, stories in the book. I go pretty deep into Phil's story and how, like, he was going to be a pharmacist. Like he was going to go to pharmacy oh my God, school. Can you imagine? And until Adam Roberts and Matt Heath played him in a tournament in South Florida, and they were like, like "Who is this guy?" And he, Phil was working a construction job, and he like kept banging his knees on the desk, and he was striping <laughs> roads. And Adam was like, "Why don't you come live with me in my house in South Carolina, rent free? Like you can you can bring your really fast friend named Nick, and right, you guys yeah. come live with us." <laughs> and so like Adam showed him the ropes, and they lived together for two years. And like Adam like taught him how to be a professional and he said that Phil was just obsessed with it. And he said that like when they would watch movies, Phil, cause like he didn't want to pay attention to a movie for two hours, he would just set to himself for two hours. And this thing was like learning how to set quiet so like people could watch the movie. And now you look at it and like Phil's the best setter in the world and has been for the best past setter, like, decade. Best player. Yeah. Those two are the top team. That's the thing that's cool too about our media stuff is <clears throat> we bring out those kind of stories. Like you just said, like Phil's obsessed with the game and he would just set all yeah. day. Everything you hear about Phil Dahlhausen nowadays is based on his demeanor. Is like he doesn't really want to be there. He doesn't love it. Like a lot of people say that about him, but if you dig deep enough into this story, there's yeah. a reason why he's been so great. Like the yeah. guy is obsessed with it. Like he his was... demeanor comes off a certain way, but hell, if the media could actually get a hold and give you stories of who this guy actually is and what is, you know, where he comes from, then you can really begin to see why he yeah. is who he is. That's a, I had, like, so much fun doing that because, like, I first wanted to see why people, like, how people got into beach volleyball. But then once you look at the financials of the sport, why do you stay in it? Because tangibly, there are very few incentives to stay in beach volleyball. Like, in Austin, for example, like, Rafi and I finished 13th in the entire country. Literally every single team was there, and we made a thousand dollars. Like you look at like you finish thirteenth in the PGA Tour, for example. Like you're making six figures, right. and it, and like so tangibly, there are very few incentives to stay in this game. So then I began to look into so how'd you get into it? Why are you still here? And that's I think the biggest theme. And I and I talked to I had I hired an editor, and she's done like a bunch of New York Times bestsellers, and she's awesome. And she helped me structure the book, and she was like, "That's where you need." That's what you need to dig into. She's like, the historical stuff, I think that you're going too fast. You should save it. Really wait till you can research it and dive deeper and do a more thorough job so you don't have to go through the timeline so fast. She's like, I want you to just do the players now and like how they got into it and why they're still here because every player needs a pretty powerful why to stay in this sport. And it was funny, too, because before Austin, Rafi asked me, he's like, why do you want to qualify? And I was like, 
I, I don't know. I have a weird question wanted, from your partner. Yeah, just, he was like, I just wanted to qualify. Because I just and spent Raffi, a bunch of money on Raffi this was like, oh, that's it? You just want to qualify? That's your only reason? And, like, it, it like kind of hit me pretty deep. I was like, damn. I was like, I don't know. I was like, why <laughs> do I want to do this? And then, like, I figured it out and just, like, it's, I know it's super cliche to say that, you know, it's about the journey, but, like, you look at, like, I went to eight different cities I think I'd never been to. And like you just get to do all these awesome things. Like I ended up in Martinique. I left the country for the first time and ended up like if we hadn't gotten a sponsor to cover our flights, I would have lost like a grand on the trip easy. Right. But it's awesome to have that kind of stuff. And everyone has like a different why. And like I love like Casey Jennings, like he his work ethic is insane. Like when he started coming out, he's like, my life was going to be a professional beach volleyball player. Like he was a valet. And he used it as cross-training workouts. So he would park oh the car and sprint. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then he'd go get another key and park the car and sprint. And he worked, like, at Ace Hardware, like, the spaghetti factory. And, like, you look at these guys and they, like, they go, like, and John Hyden, he was a two-time Olympian. And when he moved to the beach, he wasn't making a ton of money on the beach. He hung up Christmas lights and yeah. put in synthetic turf putting greens for as part-time jobs. A yep. two-time Olympian was putting up your Christmas lights. He got attacked by <laughs> someone's dog once, too. <laughs> really? and, and luckily, he was in enough shape to jump over like a six-foot Dude, fence. Hayden's, Hayden's interview cracked me up because he was like, <laughs> you know what I know about what I discovered about people? People are assholes around Christmas. <laughs> I was cracking up. That's such a John Hayden statement. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, I, I really, like, it was just the, the why people still do this that I was fascinated by. And that's really kind of the crux of the book is, why they do what they do. And I think Billy Allen had one of my favorite quotes. He's like, I wouldn't trade this life for a nicer car, a nicer house for like all the adventures we had. Totally. Like not in the whole world. And like one of my favorite stories that I read about was when Billy and Theo won Seattle, but they had to catch a flight to go to Hamburg uh, the next like hours later. Yeah. And I, was, so, I was waiting for him in Hamburg. <laughs> and so they, they won their semifinal, I, th- I think against uh, Avery and Greg Weaver and they fly, they, they go to the Tacoma International Airport, check their bags, <clears throat> go back, and then um, they play the final. They had like a 10-minute warm-up against Trevor and Taylor and end up winning the final. Don't even like pose for pictures or anything. Jet back to the airport, barely make their flight, and they're bringing Ketch and Janelle in, in tow. And when they, when they land in uh, the Frankfurt Airport, Rich Lambert's like, oh, have you ever been to this airport? And he's like, I've never been to Europe. Yeah, like, that was are you crazy. kidding me? And so like like now Billy is making a push for the Olympics and it's just fun to see like dig into the whys and that's kind of like what it gets into is just why are you still here when you could finish 6th in the entire country and make $20,000 mm-hmm. cuz like money's just not it. It can't be. Right. It's getting there. Like mm-hmm. you're seeing like there's a lot of opportunities in the game right now but the the narrative of the book follows the 2016 season. Yeah. That's and, actually really a something that kind of struck with or stuck with me when, when I read uh, the parts that you let me read um, was that, you know, there's that perspective of like, why did it was like, I was looking at your questions that you're writing the whole book about. I was like, why the hell do you guys do this? Yeah. Like, I don't get it. Cause I'm, like your average person looking at it, like would have no idea. Yeah. And that's what and John Moran offered. So I, and I offered perspectives from both sides. And like a lot of the guys are just like, man, like, why wouldn't I do this? Like I'm, I get to coach on the beach. I get to play on the beach. I'm like, yo, what about like, like a 401k raising right. family? Yeah. Are you, are you going to be okay? And then, yeah. like, and a lot of guys are like, no, like I, I'll, I'll worry about that later. Right. But John Moran, like he's not playing anymore. And he looked at it like a business and he's like, man, I devoted 
a season where I trained like a professional. I did all this stuff, and I had like the best year ever. He had like four ninths and like two thirteens, like a, a good year. Like, and if you compare it to any other sport in the country, like he'd have been a millionaire. Right. So he's like, I netted twelve thousand dollars, <laughs> and he's like, Are you kidding me? And then so and he made. I mean, he sold a couple of businesses and like he made 75 grand in a month, wow. which was more than what Casey and Jake made the entire year combined from prize money. And he looked at that and he was like, what? I'm out. Like, right. And so he just like, and he was like, you know, what? I feel like I left a lot on the table as a volleyball player, but you know, as a person raising a family, I think I made the right choice. Right. And you see like every player had like that I interviewed has wrestled with that decision. Like <laughs> how can I, reasonably logically explain to prioritize this sport over getting a real job right and i think it's crazy to see how many different perspectives there are like, yeah there's so many everyone coming has from one. every direction yeah like that's why when when you asked me to write the foreword for it i i was like well i'm just going to tell you what i think about it because yeah, it seems it's great. to be a lot different than what everybody else thinks and and I mean, you guys can read that. I don't even remember what I wrote well, at this my, point. My editor and agent both loved the forward. So. It's like the first time I've written anything that <laughs> anyone's going to read. <laughs> so I hope it's good. But yeah, I, I think I have a really unique perspective where I'm coming from because I came from the indoor side. You know, there's the there's a portion of people that come from the indoor side where you're you're already a professional athlete, basically playing another sport. And then you're coming out and expecting it to be the same or whatever. For me, I'm kind of trying to create that dream life, that life that I kind of dreamed of as a kid, being a professional athlete. I've always wanted to do that. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to go do it as well as I can and then see what happens. But yeah. that's my goal is to be like a full-on world-class professional athlete. If, if I'm not on ESPN every day, okay, that's fine. But I might try to get there because it's kind of cool. Yeah, and you have a really cool story too in that like you got picked up by Hayden and that, that could have been right. I mean, if, look at that. You, How's if, my grind compared to some other people's, you know? Yeah. But I mean, you were putting it in for a long time. Like people don't understand how valuable reps are when you're right. a, when you're a kid. Yeah. Totally. You, like you get that muscle memory when you're little, like I could go out, like I hadn't played golf in four years and I shot, came out and shot 76. Right. Cause like I played, you know, I played so much golf when I was a kid. Like I could just go come play back for and like six months straight, and, <laughs> and then you'd just come out and beat me. <laughs> yeah, and like your reps it's the are same way, way with volleyball. Like me and you, like your golf is my volleyball. <laughs> right. <laughs> like if I take two days off, dude, I can't pass it in the right zip code. Right. For like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but like you were grinding, you just didn't even realize it was a grind because you were having fun as a kid. Mm-hmm. And like you were getting your reps on the baby court. And my favorite, I'm pretty sure my favorite chapter in the whole book is like there's a chapter pretty much devoted to the Hawaiians. And nice. it's just about like Reese Haynes' birthday party. Oh my god! And it had Reese like, is gonna be so yeah, stoked yeah, when he hears and he like, made the book. And when I was talking <laughs> to my editor about this chapter, she was like, "Holy shit! Like, like you're talking about Taylor Crab, Trevor Crab, you, Riley, Madison. I think the Shoji's, Micah Christensen. Well, Micah wasn't there. Micah was younger, but, but we like had later. Yeah. Like you guys, there's like four Olympians. You uh, qualified Spencer for McLaughlin. the Olympics. Like Spencer, yeah, like yeah. It's it's crazy. Your childhood back. group of friends is one of the most accomplished group of people like in the sport of volleyball, and you grew up walking, like, walking distance. Like we played <laughs> on the same little court. Yeah, there's only three courts at Outrigger. It's one like unfathomable how talented that group of kids is. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I don't even understand how I became a part of that group. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because I was a beach rat and, and it's, just hung it's out so, down there. It's so cool to see 
like where you guys are now. And like, I love looking at stuff like that. And then I also love digging into the people who got out of the sport. Like you look at Robbie page, right? Like Robbie page had all the tangibles to be one of the best in the world. Mm -hmm. Like he's seven foot and he could handset sided out. Well, passed really well was the AVP server of the year and rookie of the year, I think. And like, you look at it like, like if he had say like the working mindset of like an Anders, Mm -hmm. like, Robbie could have been our Anders. Mm-hmm. Like he just looked at it logically. And I, I never literally never blame anybody athletic, for like but getting out. Yeah. But I, I like when someone gets out of the sport and people are mad at him, I'm like, well, logically speaking, that's what he should be Dude, doing. I, I, I respect <laughs> that so much. I, I think if, if you can somehow not follow just the social norms, you know, of the yeah. pipeline of where people are taking you, I think that's the biggest thing is like, Stay true to yourself and your unique path. Yeah. And don't, like, if you think you got to get out of volleyball, even though you're good at it, bail. And I think that when you look at the, the Americans, the American males who have been the most successful have been the ones who have straddled that really hazy borderline of reckless and responsible the best. It's like Phil didn't just win a tournament in South Florida and to think, oh, I'm going to be best in the world. I'm going to go to California and live on couches and go broke. Like, that's how people break in volleyball. Like, I know that you played a lot with Will Montgomery and he just went nuts for like a couple years and played in a bunch of country quotas. That's how I got all my reps. I made it. That's how I made (laughs) up all my reps. I just hung out with Will. Yeah, so you look at, like, there are certain people who go all, like, way all in with no safety net too fast, and they get burned out and broken because, like, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have anything to, like, hold you up while you're failing, you're going to drop out of the sport. Yeah. That's yeah. why, like, and people give Madison McKibben a lot of crap for, like, putting too much time into YouTube and not kind of bouncing around and doing mm-hmm. the partner thing. But, like, Madison's now, like, going to be, like, a full-time beach volleyball YouTuber pretty right. much. Like, that's yeah, they badass. Their own, that's awesome. Exactly. It's, it's really cool. They created their own little unique, same thing we're doing, like our own little path, our niche or whatever you call it. Yeah. And I think every player should do that. Find their own unique thing to build up. And we, I mean, not many sports have that actually, where the players are are the ones creating these things. Yeah. I think that's what's so fun about writing for this sport is that it's all new ground. Because like you look at, and I think Volley Mob just folded, so I'm pretty sure the only website for beach volleyball is like the fivb beach major series and volleyball mag.com right and like i've written for all three <laughs> like, <laughs> it's fun but and it took like like this has been a three-year process like the first year i wrote on the sport i wrote for free i just started a wordpress wordpress blog and just like wrote because like it's just what i do right. like, i just love writing and no one was writing about the sport and like the first one that i wrote was on the huntington beach qualifier of uh 2017 um and I just did a preview of it, like a preview of March Madness. And the players were like, dude, that was so cool. Like, we've never had that done before. So then I just kept doing it. And Volleyball Mag, one of my friends that I would made uh, while I lived in Florida knew the editor of Volleyball Mag. And he's like, you got to read this stuff. And he called me. He's like, why is a 443 Baltimore area code writing about beach volleyball? He's like, what are yeah, you doing? Really. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up just writing for them. And then that turned into, I wrote for Dig Magazine. And then that turned into, I wrote for someone else. And then we have the podcast. And then now I'm writing stuff for P1440. And like, I've been able to slowly streamline like my work and income and like around beach volleyball. And like, whatever I win as a player is just a bonus. Like I never <laughs> budget for a surplus of prize money. Right. So that's awesome when that happens. And I think it gives you a good perspective on yourself in terms of the fact, like if you're doing, if you're willing to do it for kind of nothing, then yeah. you know that 
that you're kind of on the right path. Yeah. Right? Especially if there's the potential to make money. Right. And that's, that's like kind of what our podcast is. Like right. It's not like we're making millions of dollars, but the potential is there because we're the only ones. Right. Yeah. It's nice exactly. when you're a monopoly. Potential for millions of dollars on this. If someone wants to start yeah. donating. We got chomps. Yeah, we got chomps. <laughs> Woo. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty awesome the path that that has kind of taken us here and the Kibbins doing their thing and I think it's really good for the sport and the more pe- more players that jump on and create their own unique thing is it's going to be even better. Yeah. And and I think the sport's going somewhere. I don't know where it's going, it's, but it's moving. Well, what I like about it is that it's moving so many different directions mm-hmm. and that something has to stick. Like whether it's like, and I, and I think the AVP will always be around. I think like it is the name brand. Mm-hmm. Whether you know what iteration it takes, who knows? But like you have King of the Court, and they're jumping in, and like we had Woko on, and he's like stoked about beach right. volleyball and where it's headed. And then P fourteen forty's jumping in, um, and they're doing like kind of different stuff and partnering with the FIVB. So we it's going a lot of different directions. Like at some point, somebody's going to figure this out because no one has. But there are a lot of brilliant minds working on it. And I think once the storyline catches, you know, like you, you're like following a sport, or maybe you're, there's like, for example, my wife or something. They'll be doesn't watch basketball or football or anything. But then like there's like one story that comes up, and they play it and whatever. And then all of a sudden, she's interested in that one player and wants to follow that. You know, I think we just got to kind of figure out the right storyline, the things that fans are most interested in to buy in and and let that and give them more of that. It's kind of hard for people to see into our sport right now, I think. Yeah. So that's why I think like your book is going to give people a really good perspective on, oh, that's it's basically you. You're the fan, right? Yeah. You're the guy that knew nothing about our yeah. sport. I wrote the book that I wanted to read. And you're a, exactly, and you're a yeah. sports writer. So you knew how to like dig into a sport and like figure stuff out about it. And you're like, "Oh, there's nothing." Yeah. So then you came in and you played it and then you're like, "All right, I'm going to go check out the pro scene." Yeah. You went into the pro scene and you're like, <laughs> "This is weird." And then you're like, "All right, I'll just create it what yeah. I wanted to know." Right? Yeah, that's what basically, because that's how most, a lot of nonfiction books that, because I read a ton, um, like I try to read like a book or two a week and like, a little, and Jeez. I'll always read like the author's notes afterwards and they're just, and a common theme is that I wrote the book that I hadn't, that I wanted to read that no one had written. Mm-hmm. And this is like exactly what I was looking for. Like, why did, why does a guy, why does a lefty from Minnesota get into beach volleyball. Right. Like, totally. Know? And why is he sticking with it? That yeah, that's probably the biggest theme, right? The biggest takeaway from the book is yeah. kind of that you get to learn that yeah. about the sport. And I think dude, people, you need to go buy this book. Buy one for, <laughs> buy one for your friends, family, anyone that likes beach volleyball. Let's get everyone on this train. You get to understand what the sport's all about. And then we'll have them write another one after that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you can get it it'll be on Amazon. Um on December 5th, which is the day that this comes out, which is nice. Well, something else cool that you that you did in the book was you picked real athletes, like certain athletes at different parts of the sport. You already talked about yeah. Phil and Billy Allen, and but there's other guys that were just straight-up quality guys or like yeah. rookies on tour, and, and you kind of told everyone's story along the way. So you get to learn a little history about it, but also about exactly what's going on uh, it's in the 2016 season, so it's a season yeah. that already passed. Yeah, so each chapter is a stop at, on the 2016 season, and each chapter is kind of a different facet of beach volleyball. So, like, the first chapter is AVP New Orleans, which I don't know if 
anybody rem- was there remembers, but AVP New Orleans was a shit show. Like, rain. So that we played it at Coconut Beach. So glad I wasn't there. And it was like a monsoon, like torrential downpour. And you got out there and, like, you could, you could swim on the courts before you could play. So like, that's, that's <laughs> the first experience of this guy from Maryland <laughs> who went to go figure out what the hell this beach volleyball yeah. thing was. He's like, and, and the tournament's flooded and they're playing in mud. And like, our matches were, this? our <laughs> matches were shortened because like, I mean, you had to deal with daylight and stuff. So our matches were shortened to games to 11, 11 and seven. You, and how did you not just think it was a complete joke and leave? And uh, well, the player reactions on Facebook were pretty hilarious. Like they were furious. They're like typical AVP, like all this stuff. And I was like, oh god, what am I getting into? <laughs> um, but yeah, like our match was like we went to three sets and it was like fifteen minutes. <laughs> and oh I was like, god. holy shit! <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you start in AVP New Orleans and it's just about like how hard it is to make it through a qualifier. Um, and I think the guys who I dig into there, uh, Chase Frischman and Mike Brunsting, who were just short, like they were, they lost to uh, um, Marty and Adam in the final round in three sets. And then Brunsting, Chase like got a dig, and uh, and Brunsting went to set it for match point and doubled it. And that's where like the book pretty much starts. Like Brunsting is sitting in the hotel room with his girlfriend. Is like I can't pay thousands of dollars to fly across the country to double a ball on match point because mm-hmm. you lose in the qualifier. Like. You don't get a hotel. Right. You don't get prize money. Like you really don't get that many points. It's either it's either I gotta quit or I gotta get way better. I gotta put way more time in and act like a real professional athlete. Yeah, and, and like so Brunsting at the time money. was like weighing between going to med school or like continuing to push for beach volleyball. <laughs> Imagine having and, that in your head. Med yeah. school, like and and what's like picturing what your future is gonna be. <laughs> yeah. And then being like beach All right, but what's my day to day gonna be playing beach volleyball? And then my <laughs> future i'm picturing being in living in a van <laughs> but getting there is going to be way more fun yeah. yeah and so it's just like moments like that just how hard it is to make it through a qualifier but then the second chapter is once you made it through oh good luck you get to play phil mm-hmm. and so you, you get the main draw you get your ass kicked and next tournament hey now you good congratulations you've improved one seed in the qualifier <laughs> right. you're right back in it right. and just how hard it is to not only just make a main draw but to stay in it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Cause like, dude, after Austin, so my, my brother called me and was like, so what, like your automatic main draw I was like, actually I dropped five seeds <laughs> for New York. <laughs> and he was like, how does that work? I was like, this is just the way it goes. Your brother's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you do that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then, so, and it just kind of takes you through each different stop. And then one of the chapters goes into like how difficult it is to like for dads and moms and dads, like, Living on like an AVP salary, yeah. raising kids. How many players have heard from their parents like, "Get a real job. What are you doing?" Yeah, well, it's funny. Jake and Jane Gibb were great interviews. I love talking to them, and and so they moved here with like knowing Jake had no idea like what the status of the AVP was. He's like, "Yeah, like I think like, you guys are millionaires." Like, he didn't know that like Fanoi won like half the tournaments the year before and made like sixty thousand dollars. Like in Southern California, it's not a ton of money to be the best in the world. Right. Um, and he's like, "Yeah, I had no idea what I was getting myself into." So the Jane, him and Jane had like a two-year window, um, and Jane's his wife. And uh, she was like, yeah, if, you know, you can go do your beach thing for a couple of years, it'll be fun, and like, you'll get a real job, we'll probably move back to Utah. And then Jake got picked up by Stein, and he made like 110 grand, and Jane was like, what is happening? She's like, how is this possible? Yeah. Um, so like, like a lot of guys, like they just sort of, they go in with no plan, and we had Mayer on, you know, not too long ago, and he said, yeah, I thought I'd just play for a couple of years and get into it, and then he realized that like, Oh, like 
this could work if I put the time into it. So it's just like straddling later. that line between responsible going to med school or sort of reckless and going for this beach dream. And the best have been able to find that kind of Goldilocks zone where they master it and like they're able to sustain it throughout the years. Cause like Jane, like Jake Gibb had no plans of being like a full-time professional beach volleyball player. He thought right. I was going to get a real job. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. And Jake's like one of the best of all time. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking about last year or, you know, these last two years is like, I should be getting a job right now. All right, it is the holiday season, so it is giveaway time, and I will be giving away five free books, uh, my new book, We Were Kings, to the five listeners who me and Tri pick as the winner of this contest. So in order to enter the contest, you need to tag us uh, a picture of you either playing beach volleyball or doing something with beach volleyball. Mention that you are excited about the book and how you got into beach volleyball and why you continue to play, why you love beach volleyball. And then we will pick the five that we like the most, and you will get a free book, We Were Kings. So Merry Christmas. Looking forward to seeing your responses, and happy reading. But instead, I'm going to like double down and just commit. Yeah, but like, like even coming back. Even if like you're not, you didn't necessarily get a job. You expanded your skill set, which is just as valuable. Right. No, totally. If I, probably more valuable in the long run. I agree. But like I legitimately was thinking about it for a while. Like I had plenty of time to think, and <laughs> there's I don't know what I would do yeah. if I didn't play. And that's, that's what that's a pretty scary feeling when it, you know. First of all, you can't play your whole life, so it's gonna have to happen eventually. Yeah. And second of all, you know, there's injuries, there's health, and all that kind of stuff. It can get taken away at any second. But to know that when it does get taken away, I still wanted to go right back to it rather than just give up on it. It makes me know now I'm like, now I'm committed even deeper. Yeah. Because I knew that that this is like the path I wanted to go on for sure. And that's one of the things that Ed Ratledge another phenomenal story in beach volleyball because like you look at his prize money and you're like why is he still playing right like how is he still doing but he was one who like he saw he saw a path and he built a business around the sport that he loved so he could just be at the beach all day long Mm -hmm. and like he's been in it like ed wanted to be a pilot could you imagine ed ratledge as a pilot he's the biggest pilot in history he would be (laughs) it'd be scary but he would probably have the best captain dialogue on that oh by far for sure. Better than like, any like you think you're just pilot. getting on a five hour flight from LAX <laughs> yeah. to New York. No, sir. You're here for Ed's, the Ed Ratlitz comedy special. <laughs> yeah. He'd be talking to you the whole time. Yeah. So like he was <laughs> able to streamline what he wanted to do and put it all under the same umbrella. So like his business, um, Volley OC is like booming. Like he has like a monopoly on beach volleyball in, in Orange County. Like mm-hmm. the junior scene is like wildly profitable because you don't pay prize money. I mean, if I was a kid, <laughs> no. I would love playing for Ed, you know? He yeah. He probably makes it so fun. Yeah, it's like a great coach. He's And he's been, like, one of the biggest influences, like, because he was one of the first pros. Him and Ty Trambley were the two pros that I met mm-hmm. uh, first and, like, phenomenal human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, but And that's what, like, you look at a lot of these guys that are able to, like, Mark Bjork, similar thing with Volley Camp Promosa. Totally. Like, he's a player, like, prize money, no way he can make a career on that. But he took his acumen as a player and turned it into a business and now he's able to live as a beach volleyball player. Right. And that's sort of like, in a way, what I've been working towards in that now I've pretty much cut out almost all but like two of my writing and like media jobs. Everything else is beach volleyball. That was my, my uh, that's what I was telling you. I was like, dude, our, the goal has got to be to make it so you don't have to go 
watch college football all day yeah. and write about it. This is the first Beach fall since I was 16 years old that I did not cover a football game. It was great. I got to watch football for fun. <laughs> yeah. Dude. <laughs> because I get to write for beach volleyball. That sounded grueling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's awesome. And, and look how many people have, you know, you kind of think of, think of it and you're like, well, when you get to the end of your career, you're going to have nothing to fall back on and, and uh, get a job with or whatever. But in reality, like, we're out there grinding and learning so many different things. I mean, I deal yeah. with an agent. I deal with companies. Um, I'm building my own brand. I'm doing this media thing. I've, I'm my own travel agent, basically. You know, you learn how to travel and <clears throat> and excuse me, and get all the miles and credit cards and like. There's there's a lot there's yeah. a lot that we learn within this business, and because we're not NBA players, where I'm making eighty million dollars, and I hire someone for that. I hire someone for that. I hire someone for that. So I just show up, and I go. And show up at games and just show up at practice. And everyone tells me what to do and where to go and takes care of my dishes and everything. Instead, I get to be a real human, take care of myself, learn everything about life. And now I'm going to come out of it, hopefully, you know, and keep building on it. And the longer I play, the more I can learn and be even more ready than yeah. I would be otherwise. Well, I think this sport, like, above all, like, it teaches you some of the most critical life skills. And that's, like independence self-reliance and resilience that's so valuable yeah which is incredibly valuable and, and jake like you mentioned that you know you're developing skills like jake right now is about to finish up his master's um he's getting a that. master's i think in education because uh, when i was talking to him he's like you know like they always say that an athlete dies twice right. once when he has to retire and figures out like oh, yeah. crap like what am i gonna do and then like you know, the other death is like real death, but like that's a big gap. Like you <laughs> right, gotta figure yeah. out something to do. Right. And so now like, yeah, Jake's getting his masters and like he's got a bona fide skill set. And you see like Phil Dollhouser's building a beach facility. So he's got something that's gonna fall back on. I didn't know and, that. And yeah. In uh, I think Orlando. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then you you look at a lot of former players right now getting into coaching. Um Todd Rogers up at Poly and Steins at UCLA. Um, yep. Which is which is going to be Coaching a, a really a big thing. avenue because the right. college game is only going to get bigger with the success that it's had. And I hear um, you're getting into coaching a little bit. You want to trying to, yeah. Which is because like now I've seen what it's like to have my day. Like I've had a few weeks where like my my days were literally just on beach volleyball. Mm -hmm. And like when, once you see the, the light, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. can't go like, back. That's possible. Like <laughs> I've now whittled my office hours down to 15 hours a week. And I'm I'm in an office for five hours, which is nothing, nothing compared to your average American. And I'm losing my mind because <laughs> like now that I've been and like I used to be in an office for like 50, 60 hours a week during football season. And like yeah. uh, that was normal. But now that it's down to 15 and I'm like, I get me out of here. <laughs> I got to go to the beach. You got to get it to zero. Yeah. And I mean, you can take your laptop anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like I can work basically from anywhere. I think I think something that comes to mind for me when I think of like your whole story is well first of all people don't I don't think people realize how good of a player you are most people because <laughs> you always get labeled as the writer right yeah well, introduces it, you that, hey this is the best writer yeah it was funny because like writing about it ended up it 
kind of came with like some like backhanded compliments in that like it's like oh like you're not bad at, you're not that bad for a writer. <laughs> yeah. I was like shit, I just want to be good. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to be good for a writer. Yeah. And so it ended up like that was kind of a motivation because like I wanted to prove myself as a player to show that like I'm not just a gimmick right. writer, just like going out on the beach and like losing and writing about it. Yeah. Like I wanted to actually like get good. Yeah. And I th- <laughs> For me, it was. I think I gave you some compliments at your game when I first saw you. I was like, "Dude, you're actually yeah, about pretty, fainted. Yeah, <laughs> you're actually good at this game." <laughs> Plus, for me, what what stood out to me was that you you're an athlete. You understand athletics, and you know, golf first of all is the gnarliest mental game in the world. And yeah. I'm very much, uh, I very much think that beach volleyball is a total mental game, and just like any sport, but also basketball, the physicality, the footwork. Uh, angles and just a team sport, that kind of thing. Playing those things at a high level are, is extremely valuable. And you know how to play those games. You understand the ins and outs of it. You wrote about it. so you, And I know what that's like now yeah. to like stand outside of the sport and watch it and have to figure out exactly what's going on. I think that's super value. And that's, what made, that's what's made your climb actually super fast compared to how long have you been playing now? About four years. Four years, yeah. and like now you're like running the media world of it and making main draws, <laughs> and you haven't even, you didn't even play before. Yeah. I was a professional athlete. I was a professional volleyball player before you even knew what volleyball was, basically. Yeah. Um, but all those things, like that, you know, sports in the ins and outs of sports probably better than anyone on tour. That's yeah. what's kind of helped you it, make this rise quick, and I also think that's what's. Uh, makes you have one of the highest upsides out of all the players coming out of the qualifier because you talk to a lot of these other guys and you can tell they're young. They haven't played under pressure. They haven't played in these matches that a lot of us indoor guys got to go, I played at SC. I played overseas indoors. I played basketball in high school at the highest level. Some of these guys just played beach volleyball and, and there's a lot to be said about just understanding athletics at a higher level. Yeah. You have that. You just need to figure out beach volleyball. Now. Yeah. Now, the, the the mental side of it and, like, the strategizing, I love that stuff. Because that's, like, I know that I have to be good at it. Like, with where I am skill-wise, like, I have to – I need that mm-hmm. to win matches that I shouldn't win. Like, late in the third set against the McKibbins in Hermosa, like, we – the McKibbins called a timeout, and uh, I think we were up 15-14. Is that and, the one when Madison punted it? Yeah, yeah, Madison. <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't have won that if he didn't if he didn't punt the ball. <laughs> like it's pretty funny, but um, we were up fifteen fourteen, and they called timeout. And I told Hagen, I was like, I'm gonna serve Madison down his line. Um, he hasn't hit a cut shot. I'm hoping that he punts it. Yeah. But, but if he hits a cut <laughs> shot, <laughs> so he has not hit a single cut shot the entire match. I was like, if you see him shooting, if you see him drop his elbow, go to get to the line. Like, if you see him barreling in hard, just take a step in the angle. I'll take the seam. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And Hagen was like, afterwards, he's like, how'd you know that? I was like, you just have to watch. And just like, like every single point is a data point. And I learned that from basketball. Right. You, learn that, you learn to find tendencies on guys. Because like, like, I'm a slow white farm boy. Like, we played right. in AU tournaments where we were the only white team. Like, you had to think your way through games to right. win. Yeah. Um, and then golf with like the mental resilience part of it. Like, you, you could be having the worst day and shanking everything. But you have to finish all 18 holes. Mm-hmm. You have to find a way to grind and win. And, like, 
that's I think one of the things that me and Hagen did so well is that we just grinded our way. Like even when we were playing terrible, which is mostly my part, like you just <laughs> had to like think your way through it because like you have to finish the match anyway. You right. might as well win. <laughs> like, right. You got to think your way. And then in, in uh, Martinique, so Ben and Brandon didn't really talk strategy too much when they played together. And then like every, like I was talking to Ben after every point, and there were times where like we intentionally doubled up just because I. Like, you know, I was like, well, if I show, if I, I showed him really early what I'm doing here and he popped one over me like two times in a row. So like, I'm going to show him early and I want you to double up on the angle with me. And he did that. And then he had a really easy cut, like dig of a cut shot, shoot set. There was no blocker. He just bounced it. And he's like, how'd you know that? I was like, like just a, pay attention. I never, I never <laughs> thought that much into it before. <laughs> yeah. And he and said but, that. He's like, this is really fun. But how much more, how much longer has he been playing? How much longer has, uh. Well, Ben's Clemens. also like really—he's young too. Like right, he but Clemens like, played. Uh, didn't he play for Harvard? Played at Harvard, right? Yeah. So he's been playing the sport of volleyball a lot longer than you. But yeah, but I also think that for people who are a lot more skilled, they can lean on that more, and they don't need to like. I know that I need that strategy. That hurts part of you it. sometimes, though. Yeah, in the long run, it hurts you when you you have so much talent that you just lean on it and you don't put in the work for all the small intangibles yeah and i but like i love like the strategy part of it i think it's so fun to find a tendency and then to go back and like pretty much call out exactly what's going to happen and for it to be true i mean of course like the opposite happens a lot of times too (laughs) and like you get burned by it more often than not like if you come up with a play based on tendencies you picked up on over a match two matches like three tournaments and like you're gonna win 60% 60% of them, which in volleyball is really valuable because, like, you should side out about 80% of right. the time you're in system. And another thing that helps you, I think, is <clears throat> you're willing to fail, first of all, and you're willing to <laughs> laugh at yourself yeah. and, like, just be like, yeah, well, that was dumb. Yeah. And then just move on, you know? I think people that are able to admit that are able to move on really quickly. And, I mean, volleyball is a sport of imperfection. Like, you pretty much shank it somewhere that you're not aiming every time. It never yeah. goes exactly where you're aiming. Yeah. So you got to just kind of be able to go with the flow. And, and I think you do a really good job with that. Yeah, and I think with, like, golf, I, I think that everyone should, when they're kids, should play golf to learn how to deal with failure. Because golf is definitely a sport of failure. And, oh, like, I've, you yeah. have to, like, grind and stay in it. It's like, and you're out there for five hours. It's like, how much can I not suck? And Yeah, basically. That's like, how you have a good day. <laughs> like, yeah. I always got nervous when I played really well. Like, when I would shoot, like, two under on the front nine, I'd be like, oh, God, when's it coming? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, when you're playing bad and, like, you figure out, like, what you need to do to make it work. Right. Like, that's really good mentally because I remember, like, the proudest my dad has, like, ever been of me, I think, is when I, I, like, state tournament, maybe my sophomore year of high school. So you only start four players and you keep all four scores. So, like, even if you have the worst day, you still keep it. Whereas in normal high school matches, you start four, or you start six and keep four. So you mm-hmm. get to drop your two worst. Yeah. But state's, like, you have a shitty day. Like, you screwed your whole team. And I shot a 49 on the front nine, just 13 over. Like, tragic. And like, I could have folded it in, but I ended up shooting one under on the back and like just held it together. And my dad was like, that's the proudest I've ever been to you. I was like, Dad, I shot 84. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, but you held it together. He's like, that's awesome. Totally. That's, those are the Having those are that the skill things. set, like, that's, I think that's probably more valuable than like being able to pass or set. It's just like when you're having the worst possible day, you just have to figure out what you need to do to win. Like if you have to switch and play left side, like Troy and Chase beat the shit out of us in the first set in Hermosa. 
So I just played left. I hadn't played there since like the first couple of weeks I moved to California, and it worked because a lefty on left is so bizarre. Dude. I wasn't playing any better. I was just weirder. These are, <laughs> these are the things that I'm talking about, though. Like people don't realize. It's like these are the things that turn matches. These are the small things that over the years I've just been like, all right, like you're probably better at this than me, but I think I'm going to beat you just because I've played so many sports in my <laughs> life and I, I get how they work. <laughs> And I'm just gonna use all that experience for this sport. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm someone who, same as you. Like, I think I wrote about it in the forward. Like, I've paddled and yeah, you played every sailed and yeah, soccer and literally every sport. Like, I don't even think of myself as a beach volleyball player specifically. I think of myself as like an athlete. I just love activities, and all that stuff has come into play in my career, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's what Tim Baumgren mentioned that too. And that you know, you see a lot of athletes these days, especially basketball players. They specialize when they're in like fifth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, they're playing like AAU, and then they're playing on their like grade school teams, and then in between, they're also playing club and whatever. And that's also why you see a lot of like ACL injuries. Like you said, it's a new record every year because so many kids are specializing, and you're just abusing the same muscles over and over. But you're also not developing different skill sets. And like True. beach volleyball, like you need to have every skill set of every sport in the book. Like you need to move laterally, up and down. You need to have that hand-eye coordination, like pretty delicate touch. Like indoor, you can specialize and basically just like be a goon and beat balls. But beach, you can't do that. <laughs> True. It's a, it's a pretty unique sport in that it way. Is. And, and it's it, on the beach, which is awesome. It's funny because <laughs> I, I think of beach volleyball and, and I'm extremely biased, so I can't really have a neutral mindset and think about it. But I try to think of like the most well-rounded sport in the world or like whatever, you know? where you're really doing every, you're practicing physicality, finesse, uh, endurance, conditioning, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, beach volleyball has got to be like yeah, that. Like exactly. That like the Teamwork, decathlon. everything. <laughs> it doesn't have like the five, six man, 11 man team, like huge teams. That's one thing it doesn't have. And the, I mean, shoot, we play in like 105 degrees sometimes. Like, extreme heat literally where people are getting blisters on their feet so yeah, there's that dude, like i just kind grew of... back my pinky toe from manhattan <laughs> the whole toe <laughs> just the nail <laughs> <laughs> but uh it, it's a really unique sport in that way i mean i miss like basketball and, and all those other sports for those small small things um but man it's it's a pretty incredible sport um so since i'm the interviewer i got questions I see the post-it note over there. <laughs> yeah. It's weird being on this side of it. I'm not used, I'm not used to it. Well, I've just wanted to hear uh, your kind of recap of your career so far and coming all the way to where you're at with Sandcast and where your career's at. What's kind of the most impactful moment for you so, so far? Most impactful moment. Um, I mean, qualifying in Austin was big and not in the sense that like I qualified, that really helped like qualifying and getting like kind of the monkey off the back and knowing that I could do it was big, but it also, it made me kind of dig deeper and realize that like, I'm going to need something more than just like qualifying and being a beach volleyball player. Cause like, <laughs> like I did that way just too not quick. enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I remember when I was in Florida and I was moving to California, I was like, my goal was literally to make one main draw. And I was like, then I'll quit. And I'll be fine. Like, I'll be happy with my beach career and whatever. But then you see, like, 
how much more you have left and what you can accomplish. Mm -hmm. And that was big because it also just sort of tore down like this giant grand mythology I'd built up of being an AVP main draw player. Like, you know, I remember watching in that New Orleans tournament, watching like Avery Drost and Ty Trambley warm up. And I was like, oh my God, they were just like peppering. Mm -hmm. Look how good these guys are. And then now like I was there. Like I took the same exact finish they did in New Orleans in Austin. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I mean, I'd tied with Sean Rosenthal in a tournament, uh, and just like stuff like that is it just made me realize that like if I got here in four years, like what can I do in another four? And then so then I was like, all right, well I got to figure out like how can, how can I get more time on the beach? And so I started reworking like almost my entire life and just tinkering like with different jobs and different hours and what I could do to make it work. And now like it's weird that like financially like i'm in like the most comfortable i could have been while working the least amount possible (laughs) all because like austin like austin made me realize and like you were pushing me for that too like austin made me realize that like if i'm able to dedicate enough time like as a professional should then like you could get pretty good at this sport dude if if you're doing what you love to do you have so much more energy yeah to put towards it that more wealth comes to you it's yeah, just the way it works. Then, you got to be willing to take that leap. Yeah, because when you do stuff that you love, you just do a better job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's just better at the at bottom it. line. Like, and you that's can it. do it twice as long. Yeah. So think of that over the years. You're going to be really good at whatever it is. And, and if you're really good at deciding those things that are very unique to you, like we were talking about earlier, you're going to create something that only you can do. And then you become super good at that. And then become rich <laughs> i'm gonna write Make a book people <laughs> yeah but anyway. I, I think i think too one of the one of the most valuable things was honestly losing in hermosa of 2017 because hermosa like i had a really good draw and everyone and this is like if you have friends who are in qualifiers don't ever text them and say i love your draw like you're gonna make it. It's the worst thing you oh, could yeah. possibly hear because then you're like, all the time. like, there's no easy draw on a qualifier. Like, there's no way. Every like, smart player would be like, just give like a, like a really vague answer. Back. Yeah, and just I texted like, him back. I was like, thanks. Still gotta win. I guess. Yeah. Still gotta win. But like at the time, like I didn't realize that. Like I looked at my draw. I was like, hell yeah. Like this is yeah. a good. This is a great draw. You can't get sucked into. And it. then yeah, and then like we get, we lost in the third round. Um, and like I was like crushed. I was like, shoot, like, I'm literally never going to make a main draw. Like, if I can't do it, and, like, at the time, you know, in retrospect, I've been playing three years. Like, why would I think I could make a main draw? That's <laughs> stupid. Um, but then, like, on, like, this volleyball forum called Volley Talk, there was, like, a thread. It was, like, when is my word going to give it up? Like, if you can't make it through that draw, my editor called me, and I saw it. I was like, damn. <laughs> so then I, like, wrote about it, um, and I was, like, pretty heated. Um, I was like, why, like, why would I quit now? I was like... I just made it to the third round of a qualifier. Like I've been playing for three years and like a year of that was at a bar in Florida. Like we were right. so drunk when we played half the time. We like, so we drunk. Play- <laughs> like, I we were blacked practicing. out half the time. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like volleyball from like most of the time. And like, so then I, when I wrote that, like I was almost convincing myself, like you're okay. Mm-hmm. And like writing about that, like opened my eyes that like this is, should take time. Like if, if everyone could just pick up a volleyball in three years and qualify, like yeah, it's not, lame. it's probably not worth your time. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well it should take a little bit longer than, than this anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like losing and really like inspecting your losses is one of the most valuable things you can do. Like, why did this happen? 
what does this mean? What can I do to fix it? Do I want to fix it? Right. Because like once you get to a point where you don't care about losing, then maybe it's time to start exploring different paths. Right. Totally. Um, but like in Huntington this year, like we were me and Skylar McCoy were up like twelve eight on this Norwegian team, and dude, I just tanked. You were there. Mm-hmm. I like doubled, got tooled, saw that, hit a line shot out, <laughs> <laughs> dropped my hands, and he just bounced it over me. Yeah, dude. And you take you definitely take losses hard. Yeah. I guess I do too. I've thrown a lot of things. <laughs> I've I've gotten I've, I take them a little bit better now that there's not so much riding on each one. Um, just because like I've made a main draw, I know I can do it, and I know it's not like another setback. Like maybe you can't do it. Like that voice is no longer in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. But now, like say a loss, maybe on a Friday afternoon to keep me from making a Saturday, like those will hit a little bit harder now that I've been to a Saturday. Right. So like in Huntington, P1440, for example, like if I don't make Saturday, then like that's going to hurt as if I lost in the qualifier. Exactly. So like you're just, your standards bump up each time. And then once I make enough Saturdays, then uh, it's going to hit to a point where, well, now I'm going to be pissed off when I make Saturday afternoon and then Sunday and then Sunday afternoon. And then Mm -hmm. like you can, I can see the steps a little bit more clearly now. You just need to be moving. To be happy, you have to be moving forward. Doesn't matter if you're going fast. You're going to go fast sometimes. You're going to probably go backwards sometimes. Yep. But you have to generally be moving forward to be happy. Yeah, I saw That's a quote. Kind of I saw a quote the other day. It said, um, "Walk slowly, but never backwards." Mm-hmm. And that's perfect because, like in beach volleyball, like your progress is going to be really slow, and sometimes you're going to jump up and make a surge, right. and sometimes like you're just going to be crawling, and like your only progress is that you made one better pass right. in that match. Mm-hmm. But that's progress. Well, plus you, you you go on like these plateaus as well. This yeah, book for sure. I'm reading right where you you're just like. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not getting better. I'm not getting better. But then you push through those times and you get the reps anyway. And then all of a sudden you jump up and you're like, wow, this is awesome. And then you kind of like come back down to earth. Yeah. But that plateau you're on now is just a little bit higher. Yep. So you're, you can, it's just raising that bar a little bit. Yeah. Um, so speaking of raising the bar, where's, what, where's your goals at now? You said before it was, it was to make a main draw and then you realize, wow, I achieved that pretty quickly. I'm gonna, <laughs> I guess I got to re-raise it. Yeah. So now, like, a big goal is my I on, and, of, on and off the court. Yeah. So, so on the court, like, my big goals for this year were one to play an international tournament. <clears throat> got that saved by the bell. Well, you got to reset that one. Yeah. So I played an international <laughs> tournament, came home with a medal, which I didn't expect at all, um, and then make be automatic main draw, um, which in P1440 Huntington got checked that one off. Um, make a Saturday, made that. So, like, now at this point in the year, like, it's house money. It's kind of whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. But, like, I, I really want to make Saturday in, right. in, in Huntington now. Totally. Um, but then, so for this upcoming year, like, I definitely want to start playing more international stuff. And, like, I've sent out a few texts, and, like, I know that Ben wants to keep playing just because we had success. And being lefty-lefty, like, you're going to get a couple points just because it's so bizarre. Like, no one sees that. Yeah. Um, and, and so I know that he's always down. I loved playing with Ben. It was so much fun. So I definitely want to do international stuff and just maybe like go to like a couple different like ones and two stars and just see like how much money I lose go doing for that. It. See and, what <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing it responsibly. So like if I <laughs> lose in the qualifier, I'm not going to be like, shoot, like I can't pay rent. No, you just got to make sure you're <laughs> in a good place. So then you're like, well, I'm on vacation. Yeah, exactly. And like <laughs> that's the point. Like now I look at it and a lot of the, a lot of the goals aren't as much results based as it is like 
like systems based and journey based. Like I'm like, I want to see two countries. Right. All right. Well, there's a one star in Norway. Let's go say hi to yeah. Anders and Christian again. Right. <laughs> you know? I lost the tournament, but I checked off one of my bucket lists. Yeah, exactly. That's so you, like you, you can have a life goal parallel with a volleyball goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I definitely want to like AVP wise would love to make like a Saturday afternoon. I think that would be good. And I think with the Olympic push that a lot of players are making, that's not that far out of the question. You're, you're going to go to the Olympics. Well, no, everyone else <laughs> is going. So while they're all gone, I can, right. I can win the AVP matches that they would be winning. Totally. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you plan on going to maybe watch the Olympics? Yeah. That, right I, for it? I already applied for my press credential. Nice. Um, so I think I'm going as a member of the media. I'm, I'm That's there. a really good in, by the way. Travis gets VIP access to all events because he has a media badge. <laughs> exactly. And I learned that secret this past year. I, I held on to my media badge. Yeah. So the it's media smart. badge is great. It's like it's funny too. We were at the Lakers game last night, and I pointed over to the yeah, like guys. second like, row by the way, people. Yeah. And like <laughs> and like tickets like or would probably where the press hit tickets would be like five hundred bucks. It's like press kit. We get hooked up, dude. Heck and so yeah. yeah, so I'm going to Tokyo. Um, I'll be there. Damn. I already got my press credential, so jeez, you have to apply super early. Should I just apply for one of those just in case? Might as well. <laughs> it's Sandcast or Volleyball Mag. You could put it under that umbrella. That'd dude. work. Wow, that's a brilliant idea. I'm not gonna put that in my head though until yeah. Why don't you go as a player? I'm just gonna go. And as a I player. get to write about you guys. All right, I'm in. Um, what are the goals for the book? And and uh, like we said, it, it's coming out December fifth. Yep. And the people can get it on Amazon. Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Barnesandnoble.com. Yeah. Or in the store. Uh, I'm sure that I'm gonna I'm talking to like local stores to get in, but like you're not gonna get it at Barnes and Noble in Nebraska. Well, sorry guys. Until everyone <laughs> starts buying that. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um, goals for the book. Like, honestly, at this point, everything I have in, in Beach Volleyball except for the playing part has come via result of the book, like directly or indirectly. Like all the research that I did for the book is what made me write about it so efficiently and effectively. They got me a job with Volleyball Mag and Dig. And like I did an interview with you, which now we have Sandcast. Mm-hmm. So like the social capital that's already been built from the book is like beyond anything I could have imagined. It's like now, like whatever the book makes, awesome, great. <laughs> like yeah. we've already made enough on Sandcast. Like I was able to pay the editor, the designer. I turned down offers from smaller publishing houses because I wanted like full control of it. Because like my first book, like I went through the agent publishing house and like I didn't like losing control and I didn't like losing control of my margins either. Right. It's <laughs> like, exactly. damn, this is what I made when I sold all those books. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shoot. Exactly. Um, so like, I mean, whatever I sell, like it's it, the funny part is, is that technically this book will probably be a bestseller in the volleyball category. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hey, let's make that a category of one. Let's make That's that happen because there's no other volleyball books that are going to be selling right now. Like you sell two books, number one. <laughs> We're brilliant. <laughs> so well, I'll be able to say I'm a best-selling author. Well, I, I mean, it. I think it definitely could be the best volleyball book that we've had out so far because we actually have a writer writing it. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, go uh, go buy this book, people. Support our uh, our volleyball ways. The yeah. volleyball peeps and. Uh, I'm sure if it does well, which I'm sure it will, uh, this guy will write another one, and he'll have some world tour experience by then. Yeah, well, it's funny too because like the the other one, like, so I had to cut out like forty thousand words, and oh, so, so he's got lots more. To write. It's already there. Like half the manuscript of the other one's already there. I just need to do more research mm-hmm. and figure out the structure. The structuring of the book was by far the hardest part. You need to go on a few more journeys. Um, yeah, so I need to uh, I need to dig into more of the old school guys. 
for that one. But that the the other book, like the parts that I cut out, would be beach volleyball leading up to the Olympics. So I'm hoping to like have that one done by Tokyo. Nice. Drop it like, oh, here's how beach volleyball got into the Olympics. Look at that. It's the Olympics right now. Oh yeah. So there's a I preview of your next one for 2020. I love it. <laughs> All right, go buy the book, people. Travis, we're we're probably going to give you one of the longest episodes. I'll take it. It's totally. I mean, we everyone's been waiting about a year to figure out who the hell you are, so <laughs> it's pretty fitting. But uh, lastly, as we ask all of our guests, um, what was our question again? <laughs> uh, if you had to give a piece Wait, of advice, I'll ask it. If you had yeah. to give a piece of advice to a, a younger, up and coming beach volleyball player, what would that piece of advice be? Sorry, I had to ask it. Man, I had one job. I ask, this. I ask all of our guests this. I never think I would answer it myself. Uh, I think I, I would say be curious. Um, be curious about like everything. Like if you really do want to like do something in the game, like really be curious and ask the questions. Like find guys that go to an AVP tournament, just ask them questions. Like, hey Phil, like how did you get good when you were in Central Florida? Like no one plays volleyball in Central Florida. He'll tell you. And then like just dig into your own game. Like be curious. Like all right, well, I can't handset. Who can I look at who handsets really well? All right, I'm going to go watch videos of Casey Patterson, who, like, just sauces. Um, if you're, like, built like Trevor Crab, Like, for example, like, I watch so much film on you and Trevor Crab just because we're about the same build. Um, and just, like, ask questions and dig into your own game and figure out, like, one, why you want to do this, how you can get better at it. Like, if, if you're curious about it and you really dig into it, you're going to get better. Because you're going to find the answers that you're looking for. It's just a matter of finding the answers then implementing them and being humble enough to actually inspect your own problems. Like, there are so many egos in this sport. You see a lot of guys that get stuck in qualifiers, and it's not be, like they're way more talented than I am. Alexa, stop. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you're good. Um, but they just, like, they don't dig into what, why they lost. And if, like you just, if you're more curious about, like, yourself and you're humble enough to really figure out, like, what the problem is and figure it out, like you're like I said, walk slowly but never backwards. Like you'll keep walking slowly in that mm-hmm. direction. Just be patient, be curious, and just like go for it. And there's gonna be another book out there on December fifth for you to learn exactly. even more there about. You go. More information. <laughs> there's a lot of answers there. there for you. All right. Thanks for having me on my own podcast, Try. Heck yeah. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> I'll take it. Come on next week. <laughs> All right, people. We out. Shoot. Shoot.